0: you know since I'm Nicole's dad that means I am Dylan's grandpa and Garrett's grandpa and where's Cody Cody's grandpa and Michael's grandpa so now if you want a good story about each one of them I've got a bunch okay and it'll go to the highest bidder. Now, whatever you bid, they have to beat. <laughs> so I won't tell the story. Because they're nervous right now. Okay, they're they're just they're just nervous right now. But I was gonna just get up and say, Sup, you know, but <laughs> I I decided not to do that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, well anyway, well, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And um, You know, Brother uh, Piles is probably shaking in his boots because he doesn't know me, (laughs) really doesn't. I mean, we come here once a year, and we come, you know, to the services and everything. And I just sit right there, and I just nod my head, and you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, But just to let you know a little bit about me, I got saved in February 1973. I was 22. And uh, so, yes, I have a bit of a past that I'm not happy with. but my wife and I, we got married in October of 1973. So I got saved in February of 73. We got married in, in October of 1973 uh, after knowing each other for a year. And um, I figured, you know, if she still wanted to m- marry me, then that's her fault. But anyway, after knowing me that, that period of time. Um, so anyway, and I, I started preaching in 1975 Uh, So I've been around the block a few times. It's not my first rodeo, like I told the brother over here. Um, I went to college in 1978. I went to Howells Anderson College in 1978, graduated in four years, 1982, went to Delaware, Ohio, and started a church from scratch, and it's still in existence, still doing well. Um, I pastored there for 13 years, and then I resigned as the pastor in June of 1995. We moved to East Texas, and I started doing what I'm doing now. And uh, so that gives you a little bit of background uh, about me. Um, my, my wife is not my daughter. And uh, yeah, I, I, she was standing by Nicole the other day, and, and this smart aleck over here. Uh, he said, now, how is she connected with, with you? And I said, she's my wife. He said, oh, I thought she was your daughter. <laughs> and anyway, yeah, you know, she's about 25 years younger than me. So now I'm I, I teasing, you know, I, I told him, I said, now, she's actually 10 years older than me. And, uh, and then tonight I said, you know, she looks that young because she eats a lot of preservatives and everything. So... <laughs> That takes care of all that. Now, my wife told me, brother, before I came in here, she said, please don't tell all those dumb jokes. So I had to get it over with now. So I faced the wrath of Khan later on. But anyway, but I do have a joke for you because, you know, one of the things you're supposed to do when you're in a new place is tell a joke to kind of help me get relaxed and all that. But I've been doing this for 46 years. I really don't need a joke. But I, f- I found a funny one the other day, if I can just remember where I put it. Um, you know, that happens when you get older. Um, wrong way. OK. Maybe I won't tell that joke. Oh, yeah. You're disappointed, I know. Um, yeah, it's not on there. Somebody erased it. Did you get into my iPad? <laughs> okay. You didn't erase my message, did you? anyway, okay. Matthew chapter number 13 is where we're going to go. Matthew chapter number 13. I trust nobody has stuck their finger in this water. Uh, That way I can drink it if I need to. Uh, But Matthew chapter number uh, 13. And I'm just going to read two verses and then I'm going to get into something um, a little different, a little different tonight. Um, Something that Something that all of us need to seriously consider with everything that's going on out there, okay? And so I hope you pay close attention, and I'm going to keep looking over this way to see if you're nodding, okay? Because if you are, I have permission to throw a songbook at you, but no, I won't do that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm afraid I would miss and it would go to your left and I would be in big trouble then and uh, or to your right and the, oh my goodness. But anyway, um, but anyway, so I, I, I'll try not to put anybody to sleep and thank you for allowing the boys to come in and hear their grandpa preach. Uh, Nicole, this is the first night for the peewee patch thing and she's involved in that. Michael is working and, uh, and then, you know, Cheyenne and, and Kendall are over there somewhere, and uh, they were going to be over there somewhere, and my wife was trying to find somewhere over there to go so she wouldn't have to hear me again, but that's no, not true. But the, the uh, so I appreciate you letting the boys come in and, uh, and all that. It's a scary sight. But anyway, uh, Matthew number 13, and I'm going to read um, verse number 5. I'm going to read. Start, I'll start at verse number five, okay? Matthew 13, verse number five. Do you all stand up when you read? Okay, let's do that, okay? That's just, they did that in the Old Testament uh, out of respect for God's word. And um, you say, well, we've already stood up and down and up and down and up and down. Just, think, just be thankful you're not Catholic. Because up and down and kneel, up and down and kneel, and up and down and kneel. And you go in any room you go into, you got to dip your finger in water and splice yourself. And I, you know, it's crazy. But anyway, we're going to read just a few verses, then I'll pray, and then we'll get into uh, the message tonight. Verse number five Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up, earth sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And um, then go down to verse number 21, verse number 21. And it says, yet, and this is, uh, the, uh, this is part of the explanation of those verses. Uh, verse number 21, um, verse number 20. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same is he that heareth the word And anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. Now, Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for loving us and for this opportunity. And I do pray, Father, that uh, you'll help us all to really consider um, what is going to be brought out tonight. And uh, Lord, help us to take stock in ourselves, and uh, but then let us also be mindful of, of the people around the world, um, and, and even more so than what we are right now. And I, but I just pray, Father, that you'll just speak to hearts tonight, and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Maybe be seated. Thank you very much. The uh, the um, I, I I really have been struggling. Um, a bit with this message for the past few days. Um, I, I read, okay. Have any of you been in another country? How many of you been in another country? Okay, many, many, many of you, okay. It, was it a missions trip? Were you on a missions trip? Okay, where did you go? Yes, sir. Poland. Poland, okay. Where, who? Somebody else raised a hand. Okay, where'd you go, brother? Samoa. Samoa. Well, oh, that sounds like a good place to go. And, uh, yes, ma'am? Spain. Spain. Okay, como esta? Except they don't speak Mexican Spanish, they speak another Spanish. Kind of. Anyway, how about this side? Yes, ma'am, in the back. Honduras. Where? Honduras. Honduras. Okay, Central America. I haven't been to the Central, or, Ur- yes, ma'am? Ghana. Ghana, okay. Pastor's, uh, pastor's sister. <laughs> I told her that's how she's going to be known all over the place. This is past, This is pastor's sister. She will have no identity here. Uh, she'll be pastor's sister all the time. But I'm sorry. But where did you say you went? South Sudan. Oh, South Sudan. Oh my goodness. Did you have to? Did you have to come? Up? Okay. When I we were, I was considering going there last, last year or so. And I looked on the government website, and it said, if you go, you must have your funeral plans made ahead of time. Yeah? Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of a scary thing. And, uh, but then, uh, also, if you go out of the city, you must travel in an armored vehicle. Did you travel in an armored vehicle? No, you didn't have to do that. Okay, all right. There was another hand back behind you. Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Well, back in 2019, my wife and I, I, I went two places. My wife and I went to England uh, for two weeks where I preached the revival. And then unexpectedly in October of 2019, I got to go to Zimbabwe. And we uh, spent a little over two weeks there. And I spent uh, a, a lot of time uh, living in a tent in a village on the ground. And uh, there were eleven of us doing a lot of work there, putting up a building, um, drilling for water, feeding the people, teaching, preaching—you know—all this kind of thing. And um, so that that missions trip to Zimbabwe just really opened up uh, uh, my eyes. I mean, I've been to Haiti, I've been to India, I've been to Mexico—you know—then uh, England. But Zimbabwe just kind of really grabbed me and threw me to the ground. And I'm going to mention some things about that in this message. Um, But since then, uh, we were supposed to go to Zambia uh, a year ago, March. And a week before we were supposed to get on the plane, it got shut down because of COVID. Earlier this year, um, I was supposed to go to Zambia again. We're trying to go again. And it got shut down. In July, I was supposed to go to Uganda it got shut down. We were talking about going back to Zimbabwe in October, and I just got news yesterday or the day before that we're not going to be able to go. The, the missionary that we're going to work with, he came when I was pastoring, he came to Ohio on deputation to raise money as a, as a missionary. And so, you know, we met there and everything. Well, while we were in Zimbabwe, he showed up to where we were with some of his young men that he was training there. But we were going to go there and help him build a building. And Brother Porter found out that I was coming and he said, well, Brother Man is not going to work on the building. He can do other things, but I don't want him working on the building. I don't know why. Just because I'm 70 or something. I don't know. And uh, he didn't didn't want me climbing ladders and all that. I'm thankful for people taking care of me, but I can take care of myself. And uh, I can fall on my own. But anyway, um, but we were going to go there, so uh, we were kind of gearing up for that, kind of. And I I was debating whether or not to go, but the decision was taken out of my hand because we can't go. The local government, just a couple days ago, has shut down all churches. So we cannot go because he's block- the, the government there is blocking the American money that was going to go there to help him pay for the materials for the building we were going to put up. So the government there has shut down the churches. So now they have to meet secretly. Okay? Um, coming to a shop near you. But anyway... I, I, read, I took these from the 2020 World Watch List, and I have no idea who they are or who they're affiliated with, but let me, let me read some of this. Every day, eight Christians worldwide are killed because of their faith. Every week, 182 churches or Christian buildings are attacked. Every month, 309 Christians are imprisoned unjustly. 260 million Christians worldwide are suffering high to severely high levels of persecution, and that number is up from 240 million from the previous year. Another 50 million can be added from 23 nations that fall just outside the top 50 countries that persecute Christians. By the way, That number includes people in Mexico being persecuted. The top ten countries in the world that are the toughest for Christians to live in are North Korea, Afghanistan, and I certainly hope you've been praying for the Christians in Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, a place that I didn't even know was a country, Eritrea, Sudan, not South Sudan, but Sudan. South Sudan would be included in that because they've recently have pulled away from Sudan, if I understand it correct correctly, excuse me. <clears throat> Yemen, Iran, and place I went to a few years ago, India. Of those of those ten nations that it's the toughest for Christians to live in, six of those nations do not have one single missionary. But what's interesting is, is that Christianity is flourishing in those countries to the point where they're being persecuted. It's a a tough place for them to live. Now, there's there's different reasons for that. Many of those nations, um, they have mostly Muslim. When I was in India a few years ago, um, I had to be very, very, very careful. um, Because if you witness to a Muslim, which I did... And if they are serious about their religion and their beliefs, they are honor bound to try to kill you, or the person that you are with. I got done preaching in a church with probably about 200 little people. <laughs> we, we had fun. I got up there and I, you know, I live in Texas, and so I I, I had them do what all Texans do. Howdy, y'all, you know. And I had them repeating that, and they were repeating that. They all had, they mostly had Christian names, but they were Muslim. Because somebody in the past in the family got saved, and from that they started giving their children and everything Christian names, but they are mostly Muslim that were in there. So I preach the gospel and everything. And then we go up from that and up, 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 up the slope a little ways. There these, there's the road, and there are buildings up there and all these little businesses, and they're all owned by the Muslims. And pretty soon, I'm kind of surrounded by some men. And the national man from India that I was with, I'm standing there, I'm trying to sh- you know, talk to these people, talk to these men, and they're just staring at me. And pretty soon, I feel, I feel my, my friend that I was with, he tugged me on, on my jacket that I had on, and he, and he whispered, said, we must leave. <laughs> now, I don't know if I was in danger or not, but I just like to think that I was, because it's a good story. But India, the, the police, they carry, they, ca- they carry clubs. And if they don't like you, if they don't, you know, if, if they want to, they can just start beating you with it. And a lot of Christians in India are getting beaten. And uh, as far as I know, there are 22 missionaries in India. And again, I don't know when those statistics were given, uh, because I know now that many of the missionaries, if they leave India, they're not uh, being allowed to go back in. And a friend of mine is that way, so he stopped. He's in Thailand now trying to get back into, uh, back into India. But those are the t- ten toughest places in the world for Christians to live. Now, here are the top ten countries with severe persecution. Um, Pakistan is number one. Nigeria, Egypt, Central African Republic, uh, Burkina Faso, I think is how you say it, Colombia. Cameroon, India, again, Mali, and are you ready for this one? Sri Lanka. Do we know anybody in Sri Lanka? Mm. That's one of the top ten countries in the world with actual persecution against Christians. Um, And again, most of them are being run by um, Muslims and what have you. We met, some, we met some Christians in New Jersey who were from Pakistan. I believe they were from Pakistan. And we, we were eating in their house and talking with them, and they, they, they say that there are many, many Christians in Pakistan. And, they said, and I said, well, what about the Muslims around you? They said, the Muslims like us because we're kind to them, we're nice to them, and they protect us. Well, evidently, it's not happening all the time because the top country in the world with the most persecution against Christians is Pakistan. And uh, yet again, there's no missionary there. But you cannot stop the gospel of Christ. You cannot stop it. You know, somebody asked me recently, they said, Brother Man, you know, the Bible talks about that all nations, you know, are going to be saved and all that. Have we reached all nations? And and I think think we have by different means. And nowadays, especially with the internet, with radio, and all that, we can actually get into countries with the gospel that do not allow missionaries to come in. There are men that I've met that they have radio stations, and they are beaming into Baghdad, and they are beaming into Iraq, and they are beaming, and people in those countries are getting saved, and, but they pay a heavy price. And while I was in India, there were some, some people that got baptized. And for a person in India to make a confession of Christ and then to actually go ahead and get baptized, uh, many times their family will shun them. Many times their family will not allow them back in. You can't buy anything. If, if people find out you're a Christian and pretty much you, you, you're on your own and you have to fend for yourself. In your Global Baptist magazine back here, I picked it up a few weeks ago when we were here, and it asked some interesting questions. I thought about it when, when we were at the men's, camp, men, men's father and son camping retreat. By the way, I don't recognize some of you because you don't have your hat on. Okay? And uh, you don't have dirt on your face and everything else. But we had a good time. But I picked up that magazine that, that Sunday or Wednesday, whatever it is, before we went on that. And uh, it asked some interesting questions. It said, what if there are no tax deductions for contributions? If there are no tax deductions for contributions, would you still tithe? Okay. Would you still tithe? What if there were no programs for the children? None. Would you still come to church? When I was pastoring, I had phone call after phone call after phone call work. And I'll get to the preaching part in here in a minute. You told me I could take all night, so that's what we're going to do. And uh, if we want to leave at 10 o'clock, that's fine. I understand. And uh, so I asked, a, I asked one preacher, I said, what time, what time shall I get, be done? He said, well, you can preach as long as you want to, but most of the time the people leave after about 30 minutes, so I suggest you get done by that time. <laughs> I was in a church in Michigan, and, and I forgot to ask, you know, I was filling in for the pastor. And there was a very rich man sitting right about on the third row, right on the, where, where you're sitting there, brother. And his name was Russell Anderson. And, you know, he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and I'm preaching in that church. He's multimillionaire and giving away millions and millions of dollars. He just never gave any to me, but he, he was sitting right there. And, and, I asked, and I asked openly, I said, what time should I be done? And he spoke up without thinking about it. He said, oh, in about 15 minutes. <laughs> I said, ain't no rich man telling me what to do. And so he never gave me any money. But anyway, but, you know, what if there were no programs for children? But when I was pastoring and starting a church, I didn't have programs for children. So I'd get, call, I'd get phone calls, what do you have for my children? What do you have for my children? I'd say, well, we have Sunday school. Well, I have youth activities, whatever I can have one. You know, just getting started. Oh, uh, you don't have any baseball leagues or basketball? Or, no, we don't have any of that. We don't have enough kids. It'd be a one-man team. <laughs> you know, how are you going to pitch and catch? and, you know, all, you know, he'd be exhausted just trying to get there. But there were no children's programs, I'm sorry. There were no children's programs, and so people would not come. What if there were no children's programs allowed here now? Are you coming because of the children's programs? I like guess is what I'm asking. How about this one? And these are the questions that we're asking in your magazine, so don't get mad at me. I'm just repeating what it said here. I'm just embellishing a little bit. What if you had no screens? Hmm. Some people say that's the mark of the beast. It's the craziest thing. Anyway. Um, what if there's no accompanying instruments? I mean, I was saved in an in a, in a, in a enterprise Baptist church. The next rung down, kind of, is United Baptist. They did not allow pianos or any kind of instruments in the church. And if they were really United Baptists, you were not allowed to have a bathroom in the church. You had to go down the little path to the little building. What if there were no bathrooms? <laughs> what if there are no instruments? What if there's just preaching? Well, what a novel idea. Without graphics or media. What oh 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 oh. This is this is the sacred cow. Your, back, your magazine said, I'm just reading what the magazine said, what if there were no coffee and donuts? I mean, some of you, I saw you Sunday morning. You're coming in here. I only had 10 this morning. Where's the coffee? What if there's no coffee or donuts? Would you come? What if there's no air conditioning? Turn the fans off, turn the AC off. Would you still come? Okay, in Africa... we're in the bush. Where I was is three hours out. Okay. We're building their church building, which consisted of gum poles and a roof, metal, so they could get out of the sun because it's very hot. The floor is dirt. There are no walls. Ladies, you would have to sit behind the men on the ground. The men, if there are any, got the pews. I went to one place on that first Sunday night. I got a taste of what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. <laughs> it's swelling up already. We got there. Those people were expecting us to be there around 4 o'clock. And I was with two other men. We got there a couple days early before the rest of the team got there. So we're we're going to a place called Stanmore out there to preach that that Sunday night. We'd already preached in three different churches. There were three of us. We each took one of the churches, and we preached in those churches. We loaded up, went out to Stanmore about three hours. And they're waiting on us because one man that was there, he, he was the one responsible for building their building a couple years back from there, by 2017. The other man was responsible for uh, drilling water and, and they drilled and, and found water at Stanmore, at the place where we were going. So these two guys were like rock stars to these people. Okay. They just couldn't wait to see these two men. They hadn't seen them in a couple of years and they heard that they were coming. And I just got, I was just tagging along with them. When we got out of that, when we got out of that van traveling for four hours in a van with no air conditioning in November and it was super, 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 super hot. We got there, there had to have been 500 people sitting under that building. they saw those two men and me and they just they started singing like you have never heard anybody sing in your life these are people who have nothing and when I say nothing I mean nothing except a cell phone where they get them and how I have no idea but they had cell phones so we get there and, they, and we show up, and, and they come, they start, the singing started, and then they started gathering around us. I probably had around 100 kids around me because they didn't know who I was, and I started playing games with them, and we all put our hand together. I put my hand out there, and everybody put their hand on there, you know, and we're just cutting up, having fun. And, and it, it was just a taste of heaven what it's going to be like when we get there. Because I believe when we get there, they're going to they're be waiting for us, they're expecting us to come, hopefully. And we get there and the singing will start and they're going to rush towards us just like those people did. And it, w- it was magnificent. It was, just, it was just unbelievable. The only thing I could do was blow my eyes out because I saw the condition. Their church is dirt, floor, no walls, no electricity. Because it's not that they can't pay the bill. It's that there's no electricity there. No bathroom. Just gum poles and a roof. I, I probably had 100 kids sit, because this is where the kids sit, they sit behind you. Um, you know, people, I'm having fun with the kids behind me, and I, I, all three of us preached. And they, but they told us, they said, while you're preaching, please don't be, uh, d- please don't be offended if people are leaving because they have a long way to walk, to get home. And it's dangerous out here at night. Go. There was not one single vehicle there. All 500 people that were there walked. To a church with no walls, no electricity, no air conditioning, no lights, dirt floor, Few pews. (laughs) They were the happiest Christians I've ever seen in my life. It was just pure praise of God in their life. When we drilled for water at the other location and did not hit it, they, just, they weren't any worse off than what they were before, so they just got up and went back to work. Our God's good. <laughs> That's what they said. Our God is good, but they needed water. hadn't rained in over two years. There was no grass. There was no, no water in the rivers, no water in the lakes, no water in the streams. Cattle were dying all over the place. Because there's no grass, so there's nothing for them to eat. And it smelled would you sit in darkness at night to hear preaching, and then walk home? When we first got there, some of the kids that were in that area, in that area, Zouque, the little village, they picked up, started picking up rocks and bricks and throwing them on the ground, and they knew what to do. There was a green mamba slithering towards towards you know in our camp area. It was a green mamba. Green mamba is one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. And that's where it was. And these people have to walk in the darkness after church. And they sit in church, and, and there are no lights because there's no electricity. Would you go if that began happening in the United States? I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I have no idea. We know that we're getting close to the end. Amen. We can see the things written in Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel and some of the other places in the Bible and all the prophecies that has to do with the end times. And, and we see, we, we can almost see the mark of the beast coming down the pike and, and talking about this, this, this vaccination uh, pass that you have to have and are they going to have it, are they not going to have it, I don't know. and uh, But they're talking about all these things and you can see how that all the governments are trying to get together and and all these things are starting to work and there's more and increased persecution of Christians and, and now they're even shutting down churches in the United States because of COVID and, and, and what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Missionary in Zimbabwe I told you about him. Let, let me ask you some questions. Would you be willing to suffer as those in other nations are doing right now? Christians in Afghanistan are waiting for this from the Taliban. Would you be willing to attend like you do now under those kinds of conditions? Would you be willing to go against government intrusion in your church life and meet secretly if necessary? If there was a possibility that going to church meant prison, Would you go? By the way, there have been other people in the past that have done that. They were were called Baptists back in the 1700s in the reforming of this country. When the Congregationalists were, were were the main religion and they were trying to become the state church, you had to give money To the state in order to support the congregationalist preaching well the baptists come along and say well we don't agree with with infant baptism And, and so a person gets saved first and then they get baptized we do not agree with their doctrine we do not agree with their teaching and because of that and because of meeting together against the will of the congregationalists they were arrested they had their homes they had their goods taken from them they were beaten and some of them were killed because of their faith In Christ. Have we become so weak that at the slightest little bit of persecution we would back up and be like the person in Matthew that had no root in himself, but when tribulation and persecution comes, he's offended because of the word? I hope we haven't become that weak in the United States. Amen. I hope we would, as Christians, would would stand well. Paul, let, let's. What about some things about Paul? Second Corinthians chapter number eleven, there, if you will, please. Second Corinthians chapter number eleven. I'm almost done, but I say that at least fifty times. I'm on page two, and I have four pages, but the rest of it goes pretty quick. I'm still looking for that joke. Second Corinthians chapter number eleven. Paul, here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 20, says, "For ye suffer, if any man bring you into bondage, <clears throat> if any man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak, howbeit, whensoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Then he starts a list of things that happened to him. As he traveled around preaching and getting people saved and churches started and organized, he said, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, In in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. In other words, he got beaten with a whip five times, and every time it was with 39 stripes. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. And night and the day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and and nakedness, beside those things without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak. Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, uh, the king, gave the city of the, the, the Damascenes with a garrison, desirous to, uh, to apprehend me, and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands." And yet, we as American Christians can't stand it when there's no air conditioning. Well, I can't come because no children's program tonight. Brother Nate, it's awful quiet in here. Nate, right? Nat, I'm sorry. Okay, Nate, yeah. Well, you two look so much alike, I couldn't tell you apart, guys. I, yeah. <laughs> I do remember your wife's name, Carrie. Carrie, Sherry, Gary. That's how we did it, right? Okay. But I don't forget you, I don't know who you are. All right. I just saw your shoes you had your Sunday, and I said, ooh, he's styling and profiling and those things, but anyway, those were good. He's shaking his head. No, you know what I'm thinking. Never mind, never mind. I'll be good. But the Apostle Paul, goodness gracious, turn to Philippians. Here here is his attitude, which is the attitude all of us ought to have. We ought to learn some things from the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter number four. And, oh, I see, verse number 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last year care of me hath flourished again, whereas you are also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, and whatsoever state I am therewith to be what? Content. So while he's getting beaten, and while he's shipwrecked, and while he's in the water, and while he's getting whip with a cat of nine tails, possibly 39 times each time, and all these things happening to him, he said, I've learned how to be content." Let's read on. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Wow. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And here's the famous verse I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Whether I'm on the top of the mountain or I'm down in the lowest part of the valley, I'm content. Whether I have plenty or if I have none, I'm content. Whether I'm getting beaten or whether I'm healthy and walking down the street, clicking my heels and everything's all and right. We're singing, you know, some crazy song. I'm content. Everything's all right. Hey, I'm saved and on my way to heaven. I know Christ is my savior. All they can do is kill my body. They can't kill my soul. Everything's all right in my father's house. And he just kept on going. And kept on going and kept on going till he ends up in Rome. And they throw him in prison for what? Preaching. I would like to think, I've never been faced with this kind of situation, but I'd like to think, Michael, that if I was under threat of going to jail, if I preach again, I would like to think I would get up and I would open my Bible and I would preach. Haven't been faced with that yet. Will we be? I don't know. I don't know. Paul tells us how to stand in Ephesians chapter number six. Ephesians six, ten finally, my brother, and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against blood, uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. We should stand. I, I, don't, go, I don't go around looking for trouble. <laughs> but if it comes my way, So be it. My wife and I have not stopped traveling all last year or this year. And was it Nicole that asked or was it Divina that asked? How is it? She looked at her mom and I. Divina is our other daughter that lives in Ellensburg, Washington. And she came to Nicole's place for a couple of days. But she asked us, one of them asked me and my wife, how is it that you haven't gotten sick? We haven't stopped. I've shook hands with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. God's good. But I've taken Nate. (laughs) Got it right that time. I've taken something that a woman in the Bible said. She said. She said this: "If I perish, I perish. I'm going to go out kicking." All the way. Having done all to stand. He goes on in Second Timothy, and I am almost done. Second Timothy chapter three, verses ten through thirteen, I'll just read it to you. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, charity, and patience. Persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium. At Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. You know what I, you know what I like about Paul? I love this about Paul. He's outside one of those cities and a and pe- bunch of people got, get around him and they, they pick up big, big rocks and stones and they start stoning him. They just started throwing rocks on him and stoning him. They thought he was dead. He gets up, shakes himself off, and walks right back into the city. That's either bravery or just absolute stupidity. I think it was bravery on his part. I think it was, uh, you're not going to stop me? You can persecute me. You can do whatever you want to do to me. But the gospel of Christ is not going to stop. Hey, Christians in Pakistan, you can still keep going. You don't even need a missionary. Just keep preaching the gospel and getting people saved. Hey, Christians in Afghanistan, hey, we're praying for you. And we wish the best for you. And we wish God's protection on you. But if you die, hey, guess what? You just get to wake up in heaven. You get to go there before I do probably. Jesus tells us our problem in Matthew, back in Matthew 13. And he said, Yet, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. But when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. I won't read what one man said, it's too long. But in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, go back there again. This is where we're ending up. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 has become a very important book to me. Uh, I've spent the last six or seven years writing a book, and I finally published it. I don't have any with me. Maybe the next time. Um, But it it comes from this section. But in in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 12, Paul said, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Hey, <laughs> expect it. Maybe our persecution is just going to be somebody laughs at you for going to church on Wednesday night. That's persecution. It doesn't have to be, you know, I'm going to kill you and beat you. That's persecution. Mocking you because you, you're different. Mocking you because you live a different kind of life and, and, and making fun of you. Hey, that's persecution. And those that live godly shall suffer persecution. So if you're not suffering persecution, you might ask yourself whether or not you're living godly or not. Are you even saved? Are you even saved? I remember, Nate, you'll, 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 you'll like this, I think. Before I got saved, I was a drummer in a rock and roll band. Like a lot of guys my age. The Catholic Church hired my band, this is in the 60s, to play for their teenagers in the church. We knew that was wrong And we made fun of the Christians because they hired a rock and roll band to come and play for their teenagers. Methodist Church did the same thing. We went home laughing at them. That's wrong. They shouldn't have hired us. Rock and roll and Christianity don't mix. Let me say it again. Rock and roll and Christianity don't mix. <laughs> Neither does contemporary Christian rock. I'm death on that stuff. Then I went to a concert to hear one of the big bands. The band that was the warm-up band, I've, I've done that before, i the, the, uh, one, the band that came out with the song Gloria, we were the warm-up band for them. Sorry I brought that back to your memory, but anyway, yeah. Now you're going to be singing that instead of Amazing Grace. I apologize. But we were the warm-up band. So I went to hear this one band, and this other band comes out, and they're introduced as a Christian rock band. And I'm a lost person. I said, that's not right. It's not right. Amen, brother man, that's good. I've seen that before, but anyway. In all that live godly shall, shall, in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. I hate to tell you this. Deceiving and being deceived. you know why they believe any lie that comes down the pike? It's because they've turned from the truth to fables. When you turn from truth, which is the word of God, to fables, you'll believe any story that comes down the pike, and they go around deceiving and being deceived. This is the generation that was told of back then, and it's even worse now. But continue thou, he said, in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child that thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. My last paragraph says this. I pray that the kind of persecution I'm talking about does not come to America. For my kids' sake, for yours. 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 And yours. I pray that it doesn't. I don't know if you guys remember last year we had a conversation. In a conversation I had with the boys last year, I told them about some of the things that we have had to go through. And I said, it's going to be tougher for you. And one of them, I think it was Dylan, but I'm not sure. He looked at me and he said, Papaw. He said, you mean we're going to have to be more brave? I said, it's possible. Oh, I pray that it doesn't come to the United States. I pray it does not happen. But we know from Scripture what is coming down the down the pike. And it just might be have to be, boys, that we're going to have to be more brave. But I figure this. Since God so loved me and came to die on the cross for me, I should gladly be willing to pick up my cross and follow him. If he cared... Enough for a guy like me, young people, who was on their way to becoming an alcoholic, who smoked marijuana a lot. You say, well, you did all that, you're okay. No. No. Along with that kind of lifestyle, kids, comes a lot of baggage. Comes a lot of memories. That you don't have to go through. I'm so glad that he died for me. And if he could leave heaven and come and despising the shame and enduring the cross because he had us on his mind for God so loved us the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If he's willing to do that for me I should be willing to go all the way For him. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for loving us. Oh my thank you for salvation. Still not what I'd like to be for you. There have been times I stunted my growth. There have been times I got a little cold and different. There are times when I just go through the motions. But Father, I just pray if there's someone in this room that's not saved, I pray they'll make it right tonight. Father, if there's some here that maybe a little, maybe they don't have that root in themselves, they're not sure. Father, I pray that they'll, they'll see that the problem is they have no root in themselves because they're offended by the word. So I pray that we'll do what Paul told Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Where did he learn them? He learned them from the apostle Paul, from his parents, from the word of God. May we have a closer relationship, a stronger relationship to the Bible. Because I believe wholeheartedly when we have a closer relationship with the scriptures, we get a closer relationship with you. And I don't want to disappoint you. Father, we don't know what's coming down the line. We see the world as how the world is going. We see how governments are crumbling. We see how people are running the streets and burning and looting and killing. We see all the signs. It sure would be nice to hear the trumpet. Take us home. But there will be people left behind. Father, help us not to just be selfish, but help us to get out and witness to people and bring them to church, give them a tract, tell them how to go to heaven before it's too late. Because there cometh a day when no man can work. So I pray that we'll stand. We'll get on the whole armor of God every day and do like Paul did. He said, I die daily. So Father, I pray for this invitation that you would be allowed to speak to hearts with your heads bowed and eyes closed, the invitations open. If you need to come and pray about something, if you're not saved, you come. If you need to come and ask God for some help in your life or you got a problem in your life that only God can help you out with, then you come. Whatever the need is, the invitation is open right now.